minutes before 8 p.m. is the time here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, we, uh, uh, I guess, pick up on a conversation we had started uh, yesterday and uh, coming through from a discussion one of our colleagues at uh, SABC News uh, had had with workers at uh, the CERNIC uh, operations out in Edenvale. And uh, let's maybe take a look uh, or take a, just a brief listen. Uh, to uh, what we played back for you yesterday because this evening we have the opportunity to speak uh, to the company and uh, uh, give them an opportunity to respond to some of the allegations that have been made. But uh, listen to this recap. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, that's, that's the report that had been put together by uh, one of our colleagues at uh, SABC News. And uh, we played that back and uh, had, uh, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, put out that uh, we would like the Senate group to get a right of reply and give themselves an opportunity to uh, clarify some of the issues at play here. And David Neiman joins us this evening to do that. Uh, he's the director at the CERNIC Group. David, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be on your show tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. David, maybe let's start off here with just a brief background to what your company does. I mean, I did say yesterday you're quite a diversified player in the agricultural space. But uh, I guess uh, do help us. Uh, what, what are some of the work that you do? And in particular, uh, what work is undertaken at your Edenville operations? All right. Um, Ayabonga, um, the CERNI group was founded around 1982. It is a diversified organization. Um, with its focus on agricultural, uh, agriculture and agricultural processing activities. This includes on uh, Edenville operations, um, cattle farming, an animal feed factory, and a cattle feedlot. And then we have in our current set operations, we have an abattoir and retail outlet. And the group has also embarked on a successful program where we um, help emerging cattle farmers to get trained, get financially mm. assisted, and become commercial cattle farmers. Between our two operations, Edenville and Kroenstad, um, Sarnik employs more or less about 600 people. That is our mm. background of how the group okay. is structured. All right. Now, 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 David, I'm quite interested, I guess, you know, in the... In the context that many of the uh, workers painted of their protest yesterday and what gave rise to that. And let's maybe take these issues in turn because you put out a statement here where you deal with these allegations. Uh, and we'll touch on some of what is in that statement. But I want us maybe to start off 
on some of the occupational health and safety issues that were raised uh, by that particular worker who was making that input, um, you know, in the clip that we played back, uh, who says there's a seeming differential treatment between, you know, African and white workers um, when it comes to injuries in the workplace. And uh, he w feels he was summarily dismissed while, you know, somebody else who also got injured in the workplace remained uh, uh, at work. So maybe talk me through the process with which you deal with occupational injury, as I would think that, you know, working in this type of industry, that, that would be something that happens from time to time. Yeah, Ayabonga, um, we, there's a real big focus on occupational health and safety because it is a factory, so obviously there is risks involved. And from an occupational health and safety point of view, we try to um, comply with all the required legislation. And in terms of the labor relations acts were also required to comply with this um, and in this particular instance all the correct procedures was followed in terms of how injury on duties and so on is treated and handled by our group um, and that's also in terms of the requirements of the labor relations act so okay so 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 this particular worker um yes. was he injured in the workplace let's maybe maybe he, take it like that he was. Yes, and, and did you facilitate access to compensation for occupational injury and disease? Yes, um, and I'm talking under correction, but I think he was, he was home for about two to three months in which the, he, he was still remunerated and he was not dismissed for the incident or becoming hurt or, or hurting himself in the workplace. He was sure. dismissed for another incident that occurred. And what, what was that? There was, during June this year, 2021, um, we had 26 employees in our Edenville operation that participated mm. in an illegal strike action. Okay. And of that 26, 24, um, we had already final warnings for similar offenses, was dismissed. Mm. Okay. The employees were David, David, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, man. I, I just realized we've got a spot break coming up. So hold that thought for me. I'll come back straight to that point. Uh, we just need to quickly take an ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue with David Neiman, who's a director at CERNIC.
17 minutes before 8 p.m. And uh, this evening, we have an opportunity to uh, hear the response of the Cernic Agricultural uh, Company uh, to uh, some of the allegations that were made to uh, one of my colleagues, Makhala Masiteng, uh, by workers who are protesting outside of the company's uh, Edenville operations out in the Free State. And David Neiman is a director at the Cernic Group. And David, before we went to the break, you, you were giving some context, I guess, to the part particular story of the one worker who says he got injured in the workplace and was summarily dismissed and you're suggesting that the dismissal had nothing to do with the occupational injury but rather had to do with uh, a wildcat or illegal strike yeah Ibonga, you will understand that it is just simply impossible for a company like sarnik to operate in a in a manner um that's not in terms it's not in, within the scope of the Labor Relations Act, um, we are quite a big operation and we have external service providers that we appoint to deal with um, disciplinary actions to ensure that all steps that's taken in terms of our disciplinary action or our disciplinary mm. code is that all, all employees are treated fairly and in the same manner across the group. Sure. Sure. David, m- maybe just some, some, some question on my end um, in relation to, to just the industrial relations framework at your Edenville and Grunstadt operations. Yes. Just give me a sense of how that happens, how sort of dialogue between yourselves and representatives of the workers occurs. Is there a union that organizes in that space? If so, who is that? Um, and, you know, why in this case, I guess, were, uh, you know, were, were these workers, you know, feeling that, you know, the only avenue that they had was to protest when, you know, I guess if, if there had been some dialogue mechanisms. Just maybe paint a picture for us of how okay. social dialogue happens within, within the workplace here. Yeah, um, uh, there is currently um, numerous of our staff at our Edinburgh operations are members of a recognized union in our Edinburgh operations. Um, but with reference to the incident that occurred in June this year, with the illegal strike action of the 26 Mm. employees that bears reference to uh, a union um, that requested organizational rights at the workplace in Edenville. But this union cannot currently organize within our sector. Why? And they are not allowed in terms of their constitution. And our service providers on our disciplinary actions, um, the qualified labor specialist, they have brought the attention this, to the attention of the, the union so that they need to amend their constitution to be able to organize within our sector. And once that's done, um, there's no reason why we won't um, so are, are you suggesting all of the workers, all of the workers who are protesting and feeling aggrieved yesterday, were doing so under the auspices of this trade union that is looking for recognition at Cernic? Yes, yes, I can. Most of them, I can say. Okay, okay. The majority. Let's maybe move. Okay, let's maybe move to another issue. I guess that uh, many of these workers are raising. Um, yes around the unfair dismissal and expulsion of some of the workers who went on this illegal strike action. Now, this happened around June or so. Uh, We know, of course, September 2020, another set of 13 workers were dismissed 
for a, a work stoppage. Um, and then, of course, in June, there was another one. We also know there was a Sowetan report around another issue at your Kronstadt operations. Um, it's quite concerning. I mean, if, if there is some form of industrial relations framework to be having in such a short space of time all of these work stoppages. So surely it says something about how disaffected your workers are, or maybe some of the gaps, um, I guess, uh, in that industrial relations framework that make some workers feel that they can't access you without protesting. Yeah, I mean, with reference to both instances that you've mentioned, Ayabonga, it means um, all the correct procedures were followed um, in terms of the Labor Relations Act. And from our side, in both instances, we we issued numerous ultimatums to the staff to return to work it's within our framework, which they declined to do. And we firmly believe that the protest stems from unhappiness on the worker side because of the outcome of the lawful procedures that was followed, which did not end up in their favor. So, so I mean, I get that. Um, I, I definitely do get that. Uh, David, but the question I'm asking, I guess, is, is, is slightly different to that. Um, wh- why do you think in such quick succession you would be having, you know, in an operation, and yes, I mean, this is, you know, if you think about it in total, uh, probably, you know, less than 10% of your entire workforce. Um, and we can have a discussion around, I guess, you know, what ideally that should be. But there's a se- seeming sense that people don't find expression in existing structures to engage with yourselves as management. Um, what are you going to do to deal with that outside of just, I guess, the playbook of the processes, the BCEA and the LRA to ensure that there is at least some industrial uh, relations framework that allows for, um, I wouldn't say a harmonious relationship, but one at least that, I guess, you know, uh, allows for a tenable, a tenable you know, uh, um, a work, work arrangement? Sardik is committed to a, a harmonious environment. Um, and the establishment of an equitable and fair workplace for all. Um, there's, in terms of our, our, our codes of conduct, and, and that there's, there's, there's many avenues available to all employees to follow in instances where they feel that they want to lay a complaint or a grievance, which will be dealt with in terms of our code. And so... From from our side, I think all the dots, all the T's have been crossed and all the I's have been dotted. Yeah. Um, okay, no, David, that's fine. It I mean, must be a question yeah. of being disgruntled about the outcome. Okay, no, David, that's fine. So, so I mean, I guess, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make and, and you're saying as long as you've crossed the I, well, what, sort of dot, crossed the I's, dotted the T's, that's fine. But, but I think the, the other question that I'm you know, quite interested to hear from you is the complaint that workers are raising around pathways, um, saying, you know, in some instances they train people who end up be- being their own bosses, um, and there's a certain racial element to that. I'm quite interested to hear from you, um, you know, from a compliance perspective, which is something that you say you do quite well. Um, from an employment equity perspective, just give us a, a picture of your occupational structure. So from top management right through to some of the unskilled categories of work, what does that profile look like from a demographic perspective? Um, and uh, I mean, just in terms of, I guess, you know, the distribution of authority and occupational roles. 
right, I'll, I've only, I'll try to answer it to the best of my knowledge. I don't have that exact figures in front of me. Um, but of the more or less 600 people that we employ, um, we have a very good representation on, on senior management and junior management level of all groups. Um, What's good? What, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? We have, we have the demographic. We have, we have in a, there's, a, there's a balance between all different demographic groups on our senior management and our junior management team. But what does that mean, balance uh, and good? So are you saying is it, it's in line with the demographics of the society? Is that what you're suggesting? No, I would not say that is what I am suggesting. I mean, uh, what I'm saying is, there is a, everybody is represented on all levels. But the proportions, and maybe that's what I'm asking, is there alignment to the demographic profile? So maybe let's take top management or top skilled category. So that would be the professional category of work. I don't know what that would look like in your Bonsmara stud operation, maybe vis-a-vis your retail operation. But how many, how many black female managers do you have? If I quickly count, I would say we would have roughly about four. Out of how many in the management occupational role? Yeah, I don't have that exact figures. I would be guessing if I would answer you. I, okay, ten, all right. 10 or 12, I'm not, I don't have those exact okay. figures with me. All right. No, that's fine. And maybe just the last one, uh, David, and I really thank you for taking time out to speak to us. Um, I mean, I'm quite interested just in some of the supply relationships that you have um, yes. and the demographic breakdown of that, because I guess a lot of the grievances here are not just only workplace related, but seemingly have a lot to do with uh, perceptions of the racial composition of people who make decisions um, and even, I guess, the economic relationships in, in that part of the world. Um, give us a sense of that. I mean, you did speak about your Emerging Farmers program, but out, outside of that, your sourcing and supply chains um, and, and some of the transformation in there. Yeah, I mean, we are committed to, to transformation and supporting the emerging farmers, um, not only in the cattle industry that goes for for uh, harvesting of crops. We are a big maize. Um, we produce our own maize, but we also buy a lot of maize from surrounding farmers. And we there's a lot of emerging farmers that we also support that plant crops and supply the product to us. That goes for weaners, that goes to the feedlot and to slaughter ready cattle to the abattoir. Obviously, Ayabonga, you will understand that we are not, not necessarily, not, not just Sarnik, but South Africa is not on a, at a place currently where that supply chain is representative of the demogra- demography of South Africa. But that is why we engaged on this pathway with the emerging farmers to get for emerging farmers to commercial level. And that has been a passion from, from the Cernic side to get that done and running effectively because it's necessary for South Africa to go forward. Okay. So, David, I think let's maybe pause here for now. And I say for now because... Uh, we're going to be a nuisance and maybe reach out to yourselves once again uh, because uh, we don't like to see a situation where, least of all in agriculture, uh, where things um, sort of break down in this fashion. 
Uh, and we certainly hope we can have uh, more conversations around this, both with some of the affected workers and yourselves. But I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Uh, and uh, yeah, have yourself a great evening. Thank you. Thank you to you, Ayabonga, and to Metro FM for being part of your show tonight. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much. David Neiman is the director at the CERNIC Group, uh, speaking to us, I guess, and uh, responding to uh, that report that came through yesterday at the protest of some of your workers in Edenville. And uh, yeah, if you'd want to maybe give us some of your comments on that, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so you can send through your voice notes on our WhatsApp line on 079-191-4270, 079-191-4270. Take a brief break.